Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here with the Filipino American Woman Project. And as always, I have my incredible co-host with me, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back to the show. Good morning, everyone. Yes. And uh, good afternoon in the East Coast at the time of this recording. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And we are super stoked, like we always are, because every time we do a show, it means that we get to interview another incredible person in our community. So I want to introduce you all to Marianne Bacall-Uba. Marianne is the founder of Thriver Lifestyle. She's a TEDx and keynote speaker, business coach, and best-selling author. Marianne, welcome to the show. Yay! Thanks for having me, Nani Jen. I'm really excited to be here. I always get really excited when I have like a public speaker be on the show because it's like, like, I don't have to prep you for the call. Like we had the quickest like prep before we started this call. So, <laughs> so thank you for that. And yeah, no, just really excited to dive into this conversation with you, Marianne. I want to start off with asking you, how did you hear about our project, the Filipino American Woman Project? And more importantly, what inspired you to be on our show today to share your story? Yeah, well, I think with our community, there's a lot of us but still not as much doing things like this. So being really in media, speaking, podcasting, just in general, sort of in this space, even though there's a lot, there's just not a lot that are visible. And so I follow entrepreneurship. Ana Maria is a friend and I spoke at their conference and there's a lot of within the community, people tag each other and then people like each other. And you know, you kind of go down the Instagram hole. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she's Filipina or they're Filipina and all these things. And so that's really how I, I found your podcast within the community. And I was like, I love what you're doing. I would love to support. I like whatever we can do to collaborate, I thought was just amazing because we all win when each and every one of us individually win as well. Oh, absolutely. I always like to say that, you know, your success is my success. Because if I see, Mm -hmm. you know, representation in media, like that's a win for me. It's like, oh, cool. Like that is another affirmation or validation that like I can be in media. I can do, you know, entertainment. I can be a creative person. Um, And so thank you for doing what you do. And yeah, it's kind of interesting. A lot of people find her show through Instagram and with a lot of people we've interviewed that nowadays, a lot of people in our community learn about their Filipino culture or heritage, like through Instagram, like they just find these accounts that are all about it. Yeah, definitely entrepreneurship was one of the first, like shout out to Anna, Anna Marie Cruz. Like she was one of the first people that I really found in the Instagram world that was really, you know, putting Filipinas on the map and really like, like highlighting how creative and talented we are. And not all of us are pursuing the, you know, become a nurse or become a doctor, you know, like not all of us are pursuing that, which that's a great profession in itself. We recently interviewed someone who is actually pursuing nursing in an entrepreneurial way, which is actually really interesting. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just really showing like how multifaceted we all are. And we've had an opportunity to do this on the show and like highlight so many different incredible women. But yeah, thank you, Instagram. Whoever, <laughs> forgot who That's created it. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. Like you bring people together. <laughs> 
And yeah, it's always good to know like how we were found. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Marianne. So with this project, when we try to define the Filipino American woman, we identify her as an individual who lives or has lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female or pronouns uh, she, her. We've also interviewed people who identify as non-binary on the show as well. So Marianne, we'd love to hear a little bit about your family background and why you identify as a Filipino American woman. Yeah, sure. So I was actually born in the Philippines, but was moved to, I think, right before my fifth birthday. So I moved to LA. And I grew up in LA where there's a ton of Filipinos. Yes. <laughs> I grew up in the Grand Valley at the 818. So it's like Filipino town. And I, I grew up there pretty much most of my life. And then I went to UC Irvine, zot zot for any UC Irvine people out there who are listening who also has a big Filipino community in Kababayan and all that. So I went to college out there, lived in Orange County for almost 10 years, including college, moved back to LA. And then six years ago, well, almost six years ago, made the leap and decided to, and which is part of my story, which I'll talk to you later on, moved to Miami. And mm. here I am in Miami, Florida. It's been almost six years and it's been just an amazing ride. But yeah, that's sort of my family background. My parents, my dad is from Surigao. My mom is from Kamigan and Cebu. So I'm Cebuana and I speak the Cyan and Tagalog. And yeah, and I'm really excited though, because I left a lot of that Filipino-ness in LA because there's just not a lot in, in Miami mm-hmm. <laughs> in general. But mm-hmm. in the recent years, like kind of popping up, I'm meeting a little bit more. There's like more Asians coming in, more Filipinos. And we kind of started a very tiny, just unofficial, we call it FAM, Filipino Americans of Miami here in Miami, which is really cool. Wow, that is really awesome. I feel like in a way I know you because like, even though I I didn't like live in LA, but like I lived in San Diego and I used to visit like LA a lot and my best friend lives there. And I had plenty of friends when I was living in San Diego who ended up going to UC Irvine and I have family in Orange County. So I feel like we would have like ran into each other. Probably like, you know, we're at the same places at the same time. And it's so funny because you know that stereotype where they're like, oh, Filipinos, like, what's your last name? Like, you know each other, but it's so true. Like, we do know somewhat, like, it's so crazy, but it's so true. You'll know, like, one degree of separation, especially if you're in California. Like, that's the fun, cool, but, like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I was just thinking, like, back in my dating life, if I ever, like, dated a Filipino, you know, I'd always have to ask, like, okay, where's your family from? Because you just never know. (laughs) You know, I'm just saying, just saying. I just just thought of that. Just I was like, yeah, you got to double check that you're not related. That you're (laughs) not my cousin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit about your family background, Marianne, and where you came from. And I'm very, very interested in, you know, learning about your life today. I'm curious, because you immigrated so young, Mm -hmm. did you ever feel like you, like, was assimilation ever like an issue for you? Or did you ever even notice that you had to assimilate? Like, did it just seem normal because you were so young when you moved here? I think it was pretty easy because I was so young. I remember not knowing English and then watching a lot of TV and going to school and then knowing English already. I I Mm. think because when you're at that age, you you just soak up everything that it wasn't, oh, I'm having a hard time. It just kind of naturally 
I, I don't know, but I think it's also the age. Four and a half yeah. to five, you just absorb everything, you know, watch a lot of TV, go to school, and you kind of just pick it up. And so I actually, in kindergarten, I'm such a nerd. Like, I love reading. From not knowing English, I got accelerated to like first, second grade in- reading because I was just reading so many books and watched like all like Sesame Street, basically. Wow. That's that's incredible. Awesome. Well, yeah, it sounds like, you know, you had a smooth, I mean, it, it really, like you said, it really wasn't like a major thing. Like you just, it was just easy for you because you were so young. Mm-hmm. So no, that's, that's really awesome. Well, Marianne, uh, yeah, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your background. Let's go ahead and fast forward to your exciting life today. For people that don't know you or getting to know you for the first time, why don't you share a snapshot of your life today, particularly what keeps you excited and busy nowadays? Yeah, well, that's a snapshot. I'll try to make it as snapshotty as possible. <laughs> but it was, it's definitely where I am now is so completely different from where I used to be. And I think that's the beauty of life and really just the ups and downs of it, because there have been points where I've been so, so down. And I guess to take it back a little bit, and then to bring it to the now, because it will make sense of what I do what I'm doing now based on kind of what I really went through. And so I lived with a you know, typical Filipino family. My mom was a nurse. My dad was an engineer, worked at Kaiser. And I sort of all through growing up, I checked off all the boxes. You know, I was captain of a mock trial, class president, honor roll, did all the things, you know, that I was supposed to. I was a good student. I, you know, I was really active in church. And by the time I was 14, People didn't really know this and, and really just one other friend, my best friend, who I'm still really friends, really close friends with now, I actually lived a double life. So on the outside, I had everything checked off. I was a great student, did all that. But by the age of 14, I started really my longest relationship with a toxic relationship with drugs and alcohol. Mm. And that's really where at 14, it was getting high and getting drunk for me was an escape from my reality because... People thought I had a great life, but on the inside, I actually hated my life. I was getting sexually abused by my own father for years, but had to put a face on. You know, I tried telling my family, no one believed me, told me to never speak of it again. So you just kind of learn to put this mask on and pretend everything's great and kind of do all the things. And so drugs and alcohol became sort of that other life for me that no one suspected because I still got good grades. I still, you know, put on all the airs. And so I learned to be really, really good at that, you know, living this double life. And I went to college, went to UC Irvine, had a double major, climbed up the corporate ladder. And by the time I was 27, I was the marketing director of uh, Seafood City, actually. Um, Yeah, I was a marketing director of Seafood City. And then I was also marketing director for a startup. And I had a really great blog. I was Marianne the Foodie back in the day and really started in the food blogging scene when it was so really new. Did a lot of TV. And so on the outside, everything was great. I checked off all the boxes, making really great money, having that career, being on TV, like doing all the things. But I still had that double life. But I justified my actions with my achievements. I'm like, everyone does this in LA. You know, they have these hidden things that they do in order to, to cope and survive. And as long as you put a face on, you're fine. Like that's normal. But my double life in 2014 really caught up with me and just came crashing down. I overdosed and had an out-of-body near-death experience that completely changed my life and was my wake-up call. 
And from there, I realized that I probably wouldn't get a second chance anymore. And like something had to change. Like this was not working for me. This double life wasn't working for me. How I was pretending that everything was okay wasn't working for me. My mental health wasn't there. I was suicidal. I was, you know, I was depressed, but in, I was, what do you call it? Functional depressive. Like I could still put a face on it and I'd go to really, really deep slumps. And then I was like, you know what? I need to do something different. So for the first time in my life where I felt actively, I chose to follow my intuition and I just bought a one-way ticket and moved from LA to Miami. I had no job, no plan, barely any friends, like saved up whatever money I can. I just knew I had to get away. And in Miami, away from family, away from everything in that life, I finally started to get to know myself. You know, I was so detached from who I was and what my truth was that for the first time I was like, you know what, I need to do something different because everything else in the past was using other things, whether it was drugs, alcohol, work, I was a workaholic, working out relationships to fill a void. So when I moved to Miami, like away from everything and everyone, really, I was able to focus on myself. So I dove deep into mindset mastery, working with energy healers, shamans, plant medicine, dove into meditation and meditation changed my life so much that I ended up becoming a certified like pranayama meditation teacher just for like myself. And then I incorporate that now into my business. And then it really gave me the strength to speak my truth. And what I mean by that is I actually came up publicly with my story, with what happened with my dad, my overdose, the drugs and everything like completely out there. I confronted him. I actually went through drama with my family because they thought that it's not something I should have shared. But through that experience and just really talking openly about all these issues that in our community, especially no one talks about, like barely anyone, I found my voice. And a lot of people just organically started reaching out to me and asking, like, how did you do it? Like, what did you do? And that's really what started my first coaching practice, which was transformation coaching. And that happened just by me sharing, like all the things I was learning, all the things I was going through, my like just being very candid and open about it. And from there, like over the years, it's transitioned to what I'm doing now because I finally found my authentic voice. So before, I, I've always loved speaking, but I spoke a lot about marketing and just nothing really personal. And through over the years, I've realized after doing my TEDx talk and podcasts and just speaking that I absolutely love it. And there's so much opportunity out there for women in our community and just women in general and people of color to share their story, you know, because someone out there, it's not going to resonate with everyone, but someone out there is going to resonate with it. And my business really has shifted from the transformation coaching. And now I do business coaching, but with a focus on helping other women, especially women leaders, women entrepreneurs, professionals share their story and grow their business through like authenticity and being in alignment. So that's really how the business has grown. And now I speak, I do keynotes, I do business coaching to help women grow their business and brand by being authentically them and using public speaking as a tool to just really make an impact. And I speak at corporate. I teach on my format, which I call conscious public speaking, about speaking your truth and bringing the human connection back into speaking. 
And that's really how the business has grown. And now I feel just super fortunate to be able to travel, to have this business that's growing, that I'm able to serve and really use a lot of what I use professionally, like my marketing savviness, but now it's strategy and soul. So I'm using a lot of what I know, but also the mindset tools, the spiritual tools to help my clients. Thank you so much. There were so many things in sharing your story just now that really resonated with me. One of the first things is that I really appreciate you sharing how you went through sexual abuse with your father. I hear that you know most people, if they go through some form of abuse, it happens within the family. Like mm-hmm. I've mentioned this many times throughout the show, but I was molested by my first cousin every time I went mm-hmm. to the Philippines. And similar to you, it's like when I told my mom about it like she 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 was like she she blamed it on me she said like why did you let him do that to you and at the time i had felt like really unsafe because i was in the philippines and i felt like i had like no adult ally you know so i had to really put on a mask or a face you know while i was still in the philippines and by the time i came back i made this vow to myself that i didn't want to be close to family anymore i was like okay my family's not going to believe me they're going to abuse me like you know to be involved mm-hmm. in anything filipino related is an invitation for uh, abuse for me you know and so yeah. i so Yeah, absolutely. And so this, we've had a lot of guests on our show who've been so just open and brave and courageous to share, you know, one one of many stories such as this. And so I want to thank you for sharing that because it is very important to normalize these conversations and let people know that like this happens. And I'm not saying it's okay, but there's a way to, to heal from it and to know that Mm -hmm. you're not alone, you know? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't define us, you know, and we can change the narrative from being like living in victim and survivorhood to thriving, you know, after the healing is in and after, you know, one healing is never fully, as we continue to grow in, in our human existence, where there's always something, but it's not something that can have a grip on us. And I think the more that we talk about these things that we're ashamed or guilted into talking about, it loses its power over us. Mm. All right, Jenny was here jumping into the middle of our show, as I always do, to remind you why this show is possible. So, you know, at the end of every episode, I tend to say, if you didn't catch our guest contact info, don't worry, we'll have those in the show notes. Check them out. I work so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, it's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought, which is why starting summer 2020, the Filipino-American Woman Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer 2020, Finding our show notes will be so much easier. All thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, consider a seven-day free trial, that's right, free, with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the philam, short for Filipino-American, woman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thefillonwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode. 
Absolutely. You know, one thing that you uh, brought up also is that, you know, your life had completely changed when you moved to Miami and you were able to find healing in everything Mm -hmm. that you went through. I lived in San Diego for 20 years. And then in the last like two years, I just I moved to the East Coast. And I really was able to find clarity in in a lot of things. I was able to distance myself, at least for me, it sounds like in order for you to sort of find yourself, you have to distance yourself from, you know, whatever form of abuse or whatever, like whatever confusion, like you feel like you're stuck in. Um, Do you feel like that's like a normal thing to do, like to to start healing is to distance yourself from, you know, for lack of better term, the things that are hurting you or like, you know, adding toxicity into your life. Yeah, absolutely. The beautiful thing, and also it's on the same side of a different coin to Filipino families is that it's all about the family, right? So we're very close to our family and it's this family unit, but at the detriment also of the individual, like you lose yourself, right? You know, because I was, you know, as you know, we're always taught like, blood is thicker than water and you know you can't do anything to make us look bad or the fact it's all about the family even to the point of when it's actually hurting you and so for me I needed to because I wasn't open with everything that had happened I was still pretending everything was great I saw my dad all the time you know the holidays but like it was still there and I would always get triggered but you know in order for me to really find out what I needed for myself I had to get away you know, and it was the biggest blessing to be away from that. And now I can go back to, I I don't talk to my father anymore, but I I see my mom and and other family. Now I have boundaries. I know myself more and I'm able to stand up for myself and my truth without feeling guilted or feeling bad about it because, you know, I'm so much stronger with my own beliefs. I'm my own individual now, whereas before I was very easily swayed to being guilted or shamed about something. Mm, no, definitely. One thing I find is that when it comes to like Filipino like families, like, you know, if you're I, I've been told like, you know, it's my non-Filipino friends, you know, how much they admire like how close like Filipino families are. And mm-hmm. I say to people, like I say to people, like, well, it kind of depends on like what what family you're in because like having relatives, having that whole community, like it could be really good for you. It could really uplift you or it could really abuse you. Like, I feel like it's kind of like, I mean, my best friend, I remember growing up, like he would celebrate holidays with his cousins all the time. And I would envy that because like, he always had like go-to people to like hang out with where my family, like I didn't want to be around my relatives because of how abusive it was. And so I always envied like the family units or, you know, the big families that like were actually healthy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I don't know, like Nani, I, I want to get your thoughts on this as well when it comes to like the family setting and like having to like fit in or like, like having it uplift you, but also like tear you down. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's, yeah. it's interesting. I mean, I think that that's to a certain extent, every family, you know, I don't know a lot of people that have families where everybody is just on the same page. I don't know. I think that you need that to a certain extent, like we talked about before, like in a sibling setting, for example, you have your older siblings that might bully and tease you throughout your whole childhood, but it's because they don't want you to, you know, make the collective look a certain way or, and everyone is going to have a different opinion on what that should look like. And so I think that that can be difficult to navigate in any family because, you know, you're going to have, especially in Filipino families, you have a lot of people that are 
very like strongly opinionated and are going to try and push that idea, whatever their idea is on everybody else and check everyone else according to that ideal. So yeah, I think that's a difficult space to navigate, but I like that you were able to kind of separate yourself from that and say that your mental health was more important, you know, that you wanted to take the reins into your own hands for your own life. And you did, you know, get that distance that you needed to heal. And in doing that, you found that, you know, the need to publicly share your story, even though your family wasn't happy with that, that was for you. And that was to help you heal. And in doing that, you found all these other people that needed to hear your story for different reasons in their lives, you know? And through that, you were able to like find your purpose in life and go from surviving to thriving, like you said. And I think that that's that's just really beautiful because a lot of us get stuck in that mold of whatever our family dynamic is and that Mm -hmm. runs our lives for, you know, throughout our lives. In most cases, if you look at, you know, our parents or our grandparents, like that's what they were a result of. And we're the first generation, I feel like that's trying to break that mold. And you've been clearly a trailblazer of that. So yeah, kudos to you. Thank you. I I think we have the opportunity now that our parents also didn't have, like they were definitely in survival Mm -hmm. mode, you know, and, and how they had to assimilate in the U.S., like as adults, not really having, you know, not knowing the language and not having all that. Whereas I, I can speak for myself and others out there, we now have the options. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 100% sure my mother did not want to be a nurse, but mm-hmm. that's what she had to do in order to right. provide for her family. Like she didn't have that option. Whereas right. Now, there wasn't that conversation to where yeah. like, oh, what if I want to do something else? Yeah, you know, now we have the option, even if it's something that they don't agree with, but we do have that option and opportunity now. And I think that's really where the blessing is, is that we can choose. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just taking in everything that you all are saying. And that's true. I appreciate you saying that, Marianne, because that's one thing I was kind of wondering in my head, like, what's the difference today? And it's really the opportunity to, you know, thrive. And I feel like that's part of like how this podcast show came about is that women want like we want to be heard now, like we want our stories to be amplified. Because back then, like even a couple decades ago, we just didn't have the opportunity to do that. And so yeah, it's pretty exciting. Like I think it's an, an exciting time to be outspoken and speak our truth. And I love how you're putting yourself out there and you're sharing your story because you're doing it for you. It's like for your own self-healing. And like, I even think to myself, like how, how transparent I can be about my family and relatives on the show, but that's my story. You know, like, even though, even though I am talking about them, that's my narrative and, Mm -hmm. you know, their narrative is going to be completely different than mine. And if they, you know, feel even embarrassed by that or anything, then, you know, I like to invite them the opportunity to, you know, share their story. Uh, the question that I, I do have is, um, you know, now that you've gone through this like uh, healing and you're in this, you know, you're in a better place now than you were before. How do you look at your family now? Like when you are around them, you know, what are some mm-hmm. mantras or some things that you tell yourself to be okay? Like when you're in that environment, because I, like you mentioned earlier, it could still be triggering when you're around them. Yeah, I, I think now it's really with understanding and compassion because 
for example, like my mom, you know, um, she was never really the motherly type. She was always wasn't that supportive in terms of, you know, the loving and compassionate type because she was always working. And I realized it's actually like last year, really, when I was just and things happened, I was like, wow, like for her, her love language was gifts and money. She's like, I provided for you. I work so hard so that you can have a life that I didn't like for her. That was her love language. Whereas for me, I just needed, you know, quality time and touch like that, that Mm -hmm. lovingness that I always thought like, you know, you get from a mother, but now as an adult, I realize that like, that is her way. And it gives me this better understanding. And I see her now as a person more than just as my mother. Um, And really with, just a lot of the work that I've done, it gives me that understanding. I don't agree with her methods and I, you know, and how she mothered. Like I, what, what's great is that it taught me what not to do and how I can be, you know, my own version of what I think a, a great mother is. And just in general, the same thing with other family and relatives, but now I can distance myself from them. So I can be in that space. And I always say like, you can leave toxic relationships and still love people from afar. You just don't have to be in all that mess. Yeah, You can still have that love, but be able to like know when your boundaries are. So I always say like, I look at them through a lens of, and this is like a meditation that I used to do a lot when I was going through this healing was I used to look at the people who hurt me through the lens of, I saw their inner child. Mm. You know, I'm like, I wonder what happened to you to get you to where you are like I've imagined my father that way and I'm like what happened like you used to be an innocent boy like what happened in your life that Mm. caused you to become like this you know and it really comes from it brings more compassion and understanding it's not something where it's condonable I think his actions were incorrect and there's a lot of other people out there but it gives a different perspective right in order for you to heal Mm -hmm. right Right. and to add upon that, you know, part of like my my first cousin having molested me, like I thought about his story as well. I was like, well, how did it get to this point? Well, mm-hmm. you know, his mom, my aunt, was in a very abusive relationship with her husband at the time. And they had separated and she essentially like fled or left the Philippines. And she had mm-hmm. to leave her two kids behind. And so she left her kids, my first cousin being one of them, with different relatives. And so he grew up without a mom, essentially, and he was raised by different women. And I can only imagine that he may have gone through his own form of abuse, you know, growing up Mm -hmm. as well. And so I love how you say that, because it helps you look at people differently, Mm -hmm. and really like empathize, but you know, obviously create healthy boundaries, like you say, it's, I also think about like my relationship with my mom, and like how I had gone through several forms of abuse with her after we had lost my dad. But but that's the story. My mom lost my dad. And it's not that she had meant to hurt me in the process of surviving and providing, you know, like that was never Mm -hmm. her intention. And when I was finally able to see that, I was able to really love my mom again and realize, oh, like you weren't out to hurt me. That that was not intentional. It just, I was the byproduct, right? I was collateral damage to, you know, what you were going through at the time. So that's a really good way to look at it. Like look at kind of imagine what their inner child (laughs) is like. Yeah. 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 And when you think about like, our parents weren't given the tools, you know, like their own parents didn't talk about healing or mental health or all the, these conversations were not even considered or even thought about. So they don't have the tools for that, you know, like, so now even when I I see my mom for who she is, I, I love her for how she is. I just don't have the same expectations that I used to, you know, as long as 
I know that I don't have, she's not going to change who she is, but I can love her as who she is. You know, I just, for example, that loving type of connection, I get that from other people, my fiance, my, you know, my friends and all that. I just don't have that expectation from her. It's a different type of love, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. mm -hmm. The other follow-up question I had in you sharing your story is your transition out of your double life. You know, how you looked good on paper, you were very, you know, polished, very presentable, very, you know, you were like the model minority. And then, and then you even stepped out of that to be even more badass, <laughs> but you still lived this double life and of, you know, drugs and alcohol. And, and so I'm curious, like after your overdose, what did you have to tell yourself? Like, what are some mantras? Like, I'm very curious about this as well, in case like anyone else, like any of our listeners have gone through this or are living a double life themselves. Like, like, what are some things you had to tell yourself to really get out of that double life and really be your most authentic self? Yeah. So it wasn't like overnight, you know, I, I think I'm just condensing it. It was a good number of years where I decided, okay, I had some relapses you know, moving to Miami, it's a public city. So I was like, okay, I'm going to work on myself. So I started reading and I get caught up with something. And then it was even in Miami where I had partied too hard. I ended up in the ER for a panic attack and all these things. And I had just several, but I had already started meditating, but not like religiously, you know, like it was like, I started dabbling in it and I started realizing like that I, I was just really hurting myself. And it was like the seesaw, right? Of like, the more I in- invested in my own health, like my mind, my body, my soul, I started realizing that the things that I was doing didn't serve me anymore. Like I started really feeling it. Like my numbness was gone. Like that whole, like I really woke up to like what I was doing and I wasn't doing anything productive to myself anymore. I was like, wow. I, you know, before in the past was like, you're, you just go through it like a zombie. You do these things to numb. But now that I had realized that I was only just hurting myself, you know, through all these things. I had no one as an adult. I can't keep blaming what had happened to me, you know, for my current actions. And I had to take full accountability. And so I just started going back to that, you know, and really realizing like how powerful we all are. actually have the ability to change our lives, but it all starts with our mind. And so I, the more I thought out, the more I dove into mindset mastery, meditation, like all, I just doubled down on it. And that just became like my awareness expanded. And now I realize like when I do something, is it really serving me? Is it serving my highest good? Is this good for me and for others? And if it's not, then I have the tools now to be like, nope, that that doesn't serve me, you know? And I don't crave any of the old toxic habits because now I have healthier habits, but it's not linear. Mm-hmm. But I think as long as you realize that you have the ability to change your life and no one's going to save you, like no one's out there to save you. You have to be your own best friend, your savior, your mother, your father, all of it. And the more that you actually have a better relationship with yourself, which is your longest relationship in your whole life, more than your parents, more than your significant other, more than your children, the more that you actually become best friends and take care of yourself everything else also falls into place. Your relationships get better. Your, you know, personal development gets better. Your love life gets better. Your business actually gets better when you actually take care of yourself. And so I just started realizing that. And over time that started becoming true and true. And, you know, it's just the stage, like you take one step and then the next, and then the next. And before you know it, you realize like without even realizing, like you've already climbed a mountain. 
I have a question. Can you expand more on the mindset mastery thing and meditation in general? I think that when you're in that kind of zombie state of just like numbing and just going through the motions, but you want to help yourself, you know, so you start meditating. I feel like most people will dabble in it, like you said, but when you're not able to break the mold and like, you know, reap the full benefits of meditation and have that experience, it can be hard to stay consistent with it. And with you saying that that was really what catapulted you through your like breakthrough and helping you like changing your unhealthy habits into healthy ones and things like that. What would you tell someone who's interested in learning more about mind mastery, like about what it is, how you can learn more about it, how that plays Mm -hmm. into your how you, the experience that you get when you meditate, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, for me, it, I became obsessed with it, you know, and I think that's really what, what took me to a much better place. Like all I did was I read books when it came to like mindset mastery, meditation, like living a, a better life. I started watching YouTube videos of other people who have overcome other things. I listened to podcasts of people doing extra, like if they could do it, like I could do it, you know, and I started Um, I like immersed myself. I was really like, you know what, if I want to change my life, I have to actually do it. So I had post-its where I had different affirmations all over the place from my mirror. My cousin (laughs) lived with me for a while. So she like in the house, like I printed out this sheets of paper that had like several affirmations and declarations. And I put it in my mirror in the bathroom, in the fridge, on the door, in my room. I had it in my phone. I had it as my alarm. So it alarms, it has an affirmation and at the door before I leave. So I surrounded myself with it and it started becoming immersed in it. I started practicing it because it was just everywhere. You know, I think for anyone who's going through this, make it easy for yourself. So if you know that it's hard for you to meditate, do things so that it's actually easier. So maybe incorporate like what I did. I was like, well, I brush my teeth every morning, right? So how can you include maybe like an extra one minute, two, three, four, five, like it'll grow as, as you get better in it and start putting that into your regular routine. It starts becoming a habit. And then your habits start really redefining who you are as your identity. But it starts with those small steps first. So I just immerse myself with it. You know, and I realized like, and I started feeling so good that I just kept doing it. And then you start realizing that it's changing your life. You know, I had a gratitude practice. I started journaling again. You know, all the things that people were saying that they did, I just did it. I was like, you know what? Even if this makes me look, no one understands me or people think I'm going woo woo or crazy. Like at the end of the day, they're not doing it. They're not going through what I'm going through. So I had to do it. So, and I just did like. One day turned to, if I fell off one day, I was like, all right, you know, I'm just going to do it the next day and the next. And it just becomes now it's part of my life. You know, what I do, all this from journaling to meditation to breath work to mantras is, is like breathing to me. You know, it's, it's ingrained in my life now, but it wasn't always that way. I had to immerse myself and make things easier so that instead of thinking like, oh, what affirmation do I say? It's everywhere around me in my house. So I just read it. Yeah. 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 So you can't avoid it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, you're literally like changing your environment to, to set you up for success. Exactly. And I just started distancing myself from people who were still part of like those toxic habits who all they wanted to do was just drink to forget. Or, you know, I just, for a long time, actually, which served me well, was that I started just doing things by myself. 
which in the past I had such a fear of being by myself because my anxiety and my depression was so bad. Like I, I couldn't be by myself or I had to have music. I couldn't be in silence and solitude. And then wow. I just started really loving it. I love like now I have to have me time. I love being in solitude, in silence. Like it's amazing. And that's just a small part, you know, and for me doing what I did gave me like open, like I never thought I would ever talk about this ever. Like Mm -hmm. I was silent for 21 years. I thought I would die before anyone knew I was in so much shame, Wow, you know, but through the healing, I realized like all these things started revealing itself to me. And now that I talk so openly about it is because it doesn't have that same power. I actually, it's, it's become my fire fuel instead of taking from me. It's given me more strength to know that like when I share my story and when I teach other people how to share their own story, we create a conscious ripple effect and like literally change people's lives. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm very passionate that, about it. Public yeah. speaking and, and speaking about it so other people can realize that you know, their stories matter, their messages matter, their experiences matter. Yeah, I do believe that we're all motivated by the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. And when we realize that we're the author of that story, we can rewrite it if we don't like it anymore. We can reframe it. We can, you know, there's so many things we can do. But yeah, part of it is really the awareness and kind of what how you were able to transition and be who you are today is the desire, like the desire to change and to be better and to do better by yourself and therefore doing better for other people. So thank you so much for sharing all of that, Marianne. I feel like we had such an incredible conversation today. Um, I do want to make sure we wrap up with a life lesson because that is, I mean, we had a a lot of lessons, but let's wrap up with just one more because we can never have too many life lessons. (laughs) So, so, you know, with this project, we want to really curate uh, life lessons and stories told by Filipino American women. And so Marianne, when we had asked you what life lesson you wanted to share, you wanted to share the importance of transforming from a victim and survivor into a thriver in life and business. I'd love for you to elaborate on that a little bit more and maybe one more aspect of your life, a story in your life that had led you to this life lesson. Yeah. When we start thinking about it and realizing that we do have the power to change our mindset, I believe people operate in three different mindsets. There's a victim mindset and consciousness, like that mentality where we feel we have no power. We give everyone else our power. Like Everything happens like, oh, why does this always happen to me? Nothing ever goes right. Like that's the language, right? And we think of everything from a lens of fear and scarcity. And then the next phase, which I was for a long time, even though I thought I was winning, was really in survivor mode, Mm. where survivor mindset, you're like, you know, I got this. I don't need anyone else though. And you start building a wall and you're still in this fear. Like even though you've accomplished a lot on paper, holistically, you, you don't feel like fulfilled because there's still something missing. And then the third phase is really in thriver mindset and and consciousness when you realize that life really does happen for us, not to us. And everything that happens is an opportunity to learn and to grow. And we start realizing that we have absolute power over our lives. As long as we know that we can control our thoughts, our words, our actions, we can thrive. And that's a minute to minute, moment to moment choice that we have because life happens. But now when you have this awareness, you realize that, can I say, oh, why does this always happen to me? Or can you say, you know what, like, this is messed up, this is fucked up, like, like, who cares about anyone else? I'm just gonna like, look out for me. Or are you going to be like, okay, what is this trying to teach me? 
Is it because I need to set boundaries? Is it because I need to say something? Or do I like, what can you do? Like you take full accountability for what happens in your life. And that's really where the magic is. And when you do that, you start realizing that you can do that in all aspects of your life, from your relationships to your business, to life in general. And I think we're taught that, you know, mainstream tells us that it has to be a certain way. But when you're living in fiber consciousness, you realize that as long as you tap into your own intuition, like you can't go wrong. You know, like you just have to take full accountability for what happens in your life. And, you know, things will actually start changing once you live from this mindset that like, okay, it's a a mindset of abundance. It's a mindset of um, love. It's a mindset of compassion. It's a mindset that we're all here and we can all help each other, that we're connected. It's a mindset of growth, you know, and always asking like, what is there? What can I do to change this? Whether it's my thoughts, my words, my actions, And really the life lesson is that we all have this ability and we can, you know, the more that you practice this muscle, the better you'll get at it, you know, like anything, Mm. the more that you practice it, the better you'll get at it, the stronger you'll have, you'll have more confidence, you'll start manifesting things, synchronistic things will happen, like your life really will change, but you have to be dedicated to doing that. Marianne, you're like, you're like a motivational tape that I should listen to. Like I know, I want to just like write down everything you say. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, that was really powerful, just everything. So thank you so much for sharing your life with us, sharing your truth, sharing how you turned your pain into your passion um, and, and how you're helping so many people today and how you're thriving today. Just thank you for sharing all of that with us. Um, we've really appreciated it. Like I'm, This is probably one of those shows that I will listen to again and again. <laughs> If I need like a pick me up or like a reminder that I can really, you know, take control of my narrative and my story and my life. And, you know, I can control the way that I see things and how I can reframe things if, you know, and not look at things with a victim mindset or even a survivor mindset. Because I understand that too. Mm -hmm. When I was able to kind of break away from my family and start being more independent, I felt like I had something to prove. And that was definitely a very survivor mindset. And so Mm -hmm. I've never had anyone like describe it that way, where you go from victimhood to survivor to, to thriving. And so I appreciate you, you know, sharing that. And uh, yeah, a lot of incredible, incredible lessons <laughs> for today's conversation. And so Marianne, for people that are just drawn to you and just love everything that you had to share on our show today, how can they get a hold of you? How can they find you online? Yeah, so they can go to my Instagram. I'm really active on Instagram at M-B-A-C-O-L-U-B-A. You can also go to my website. It's MarianneBacallUba.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-N-B-A-C-O-L-U-B-A. And everything's on there. So you'll get connected to my podcast, which is Thriver Lifestyle Podcast, my YouTube channel, Thriver TV, and you'll just kind of see everything that I'm doing. My TEDx talk is on there. So as long as you go to my website or my Instagram, it's all there. Love it. I love how you spelled out everything. It, it tells me that you definitely have a background in media. <laughs> Before we go, Nani, I wanted to see if you had any closing thoughts or comments you wanted to share with Marianne. I just wanted to thank you for for sharing your story with us. It was really inspiring to hear you talk today. Thank you. Thank you for creating the space for people like me to share. 
Oh, yes. It's, it's because we need it too. So it's more of a selfish thing than it is. I mean, it's, it's nice <laughs> that it helps people. I'm joking. <laughs> no. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to stop making fun of myself. Okay. All right, everyone. Well, I want to thank you all so much. Nani, thank you again so much for co-hosting with me. And of course, if you did not get all that information, listeners, you know how generous I am with the show notes or with the details of each episode. So check that out if you want to get a hold of Marianne. And with that said, we want to thank you all so much for tuning in. And we hope you gained a lot of insight and feel even more validated and more capable uh, for being all that you are. And yeah, with that said, we thank you so much for listening and we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.